0: listening to the Apollo Podcast Network. One. To win championships, you've got to have a championship organization. Rex, what a pass to Anders.
1: A team followed. Boy, branch fires. she converts. Rhymes again. Upshide. shot. Pull-up three in transition for Angela Harris.
0: DeRose says, not tonight, not in Houston. Give it away. It's over. The dream is alive for Houston. For the first time in 37 years, the Cougars are going to the Final Four.
1: Hello and welcome to another episode of Pod Slamma Jamma presented by Apollo Houston, your home for all things Houston sports. I'm one of your hosts. My name is Andy Yanez and you can find me on Twitter at AYanez underscore five.
2: And I'm your second host, Akib Ghazi, and you can find me on Twitter at Akib underscore Rockets. And be sure to follow the official Apollo media account at Apollo Houston.
0: And I'm your third and final host, Justin Barbosa, Fight Media and play-by-play announcer. And you can find me on Twitter at jbarbosa underscore 95. And if you appreciate the podcast, do us a favor and hit the subscribe button on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your
1: podcast. We would greatly appreciate it. And Justin Akib, we have a special guest here joining us once again during our NCAA tournament run for our coverage. Chris Gardner of the Houston Roundball Review. Chris, how are you? I'm doing great, guys. How y'all doing? I'm doing great. I'm doing, doing great. Good. All right. And well, let's jump right into it. The University of Houston men's basketball team is in the Final Four for the first time since 1984. Uh, they defeated Oregon State in the Elite Eight on Monday to advance to this point. Chris, let's start right there. Before we talk about Baylor, what did you see between Houston and Oregon State on Monday?
3: I saw a very good first half by U of H, followed by a very shaky second half that made the game interesting. They just seemed really clueless how to attack Oregon State's one-three-one zone. Uh, in the second half, but down the stretch after the game was tied at 55, they found a way to get the W. That's all that matters, survive in advance in the tournament.
1: And Justin, I can, you guys can jump in too, but you know, one of the really main factors once Oregon State tied the game at 55 was the offensive rebounding that, that- you know, Justin Gorham and, and Fabian White were able to get for Houston. That's really what led to that, a lot of those second-chance points. I know Quentin Grimes hit a, a couple of big shots down that stretch, but some of them, I, I believe at least a couple of them were off second-chance op- opportunities. What what, do you, what were you guys' thoughts of that game?
2: Yeah, I saw Justin Gorham, Fabian White. I mean, they both of them had tremendous games uh, on, on the rebounding end. They each had five offensive rebounds, and – Justin Gorham, he kept attacking um, the glass. Same thing with the Cheney. Same thing with Fabian White, and um, there were a couple of big shots. Even when um, U of H made that huge second second half run, uh, I think Sasser he was able to get a three off of that. But then ultimately, when you know when Oregon State tied it up, there was a huge um, three from Grimes. That was pretty big. But yeah, definitely that rebounding and uh, attacking the glass was huge for us.
0: Yeah, it was a pretty great first half. I mean, the Cougars were all over the boards and attacking the glass, playing aggressive defense and hitting their second-chance points. And then, yeah, once they got into that second half, I mean, they were completely uh, just lost from that 1-3-1 zone and really had trouble finding any rhythm on offense. I mean, they're basically just playing uh, four corners. And uh, also the defense kind of fell off a little bit. I mean, let some uh, players go on, on the inside.
1: Yeah, Chris, I'll toss it over to you real quick. But I think this game was, at least in the first half, was probably the closest that in the at least during this postseason run that Houston has had have Marcus Sasser, Quinn Grimes, and Dejon Giroux kind of play well together in the same game, at least for a moment there. Towards uh, before Oregon State made that, rally. Chris, what what did you see from the three guards?
3: I agree with you, Andy, on that point. It probably was the first time that all three of them scored well. They're just not a, a great shooting trio. And Justin's also uh, correct when he talked about Houston's defense in the second half really lessened. Orgustay gashed him a few times, which helped them get back in the game. And U of H's offense also bogged down after Marcus Sasser got crunched by two Orgustay players and tried to go around to pick. and He had to go out for a while. So he was, his rhythm was really shaken from that point on. But um, we're going to talk about it in the next segment. But I'm really looking forward to uh, a Southwest Conference rivalry matchup that you guys have nothing about
1: (laughs) because y'all went around way back when. (laughs) Yeah, Chris. One more thing that I wanted to touch on about this game—we we we mentioned it a little bit, but once again, that that one-three-one zone—it made Houston have to go on another scoring drought. And we talked about it a few podcasts ago. You said that one of the reasons that you think that happens to Houston has to do with their lack of diversity on offense at times.
3: It is. They, they're very perimeter oriented. They don't have a consistent post game because even in a zone, you can throw it down low to draw the double teams around that low post option, but they're very perimeter oriented. I mean, you know, Quinn Dejon and Marcus are their top three offensive threats, but certain zone defenses, really give them problems and especially it seems like on short notice when they had what five or six days to prepare for Syracuse zone they had less issues than it did with a day plus preparing for Oregon State zone in the matchup zone from them.
1: Uh, that Justin, I could, you guys can talk a little bit about it but we uh, mentioned the front court players what, what have you seen from them do you feel like is there an area where Houston should go down to them in the post more?
2: Uh, I know they tried to go down in the post uh, the previous game and it didn't really work with um, with Justin Gorham against Syracuse. And I think they went away from that just because that, you know, that lack of, you know, being able to get points and get shots up uh, accurately. So with Justin Gorham, I mean, even in this game, in this uh, Oregon State game, he was one for six. So he really couldn't get anything going. Fabian White was okay. Um, but, you know, a lot of his shots were from the mid-range and he had eight points during that game. Um, but definitely, um, to Chris's point, yeah, there's not many guys outside of Sasser, Grimes and Giroux that could, you know, get you buckets. I know Tremont Mark, he's definitely some guy that can score from the perimeter and maybe get by his opponents. But other than Giroux, I want to say like, it's very tough even for a guy like Grimes, who's an NBA type of talent. Um, even for him, it's not very easy, you know, when attacking one-on-one or if he's, Attacking a one-three-one zone, so definitely it's uh, we're a, a perimeter type team, and um, it's getting buckets is not easy to come by for for the Cougars.
0: And yeah, they struggled to, to score in the post. So we saw uh, Fabian White get a couple a uh, couple touches on the inside, uh, make a couple of those baskets, but yeah, really Houston's just more of a perimeter team, and uh, yeah, trying to pick apart that one-three zone they just couldn't find a way. And uh, like nobody tried to go inside or nobody tried to cut. I mean, they were, they were just lost in that one, three, one zone.
2: I'm surprised actually that um, you know, that Oregon state didn't go with that one, three, one zone in the first half. Um, And even I think the commentators during the game had mentioned that as well. Um, Cause you know, Houston was kind of tearing them apart from the perimeter. Um, And then once Oregon state got comfortable in the second half, defending them with that one, three, one, it was, It's very difficult for uh, the Cougars to get up anything, any good shots at least.
1: Chris, I'll I'll let you have the last word in this segment. and We could kind of use it to segue into the upcoming segment too where we'll talk about Baylor. But do you – did any of that mental poise that U of H showed at the end when the game was tied, you know, Oregon State had the momentum – the limited capacity crowd that was at Lucas Oil, at least the, the Oregon State side, they started getting really loud. But does the way Houston was able to close out, do, do anything to you to kind of change your opinion about how they could match up with Baylor?
3: Well, you know, guys, keep in mind, I had a losing in 316 to West Virginia. So all this stuff reaching the Final Four wasn't even in, in my uh, predictions at all. But they they have found ways to win down the stretch. And we have to give them credit for that, despite not playing well. This team, as Coach Sampson has said, and the players have said, they are not a first-shot team. They will rebound and rebound and rebound. They had 41 rebounds against Oregon State, 19 of them on the offensive glass. That's obscene. But that's what they do. I mean, they wear (laughs) teams down by just pounding the glass. Oregon State, for a while in the second half, was even on the boards. At the time the game ended, UH is well ahead on the boards because they just continue. They're just relentless on the glass. They just wear opponents down. That's what they did on the stretch.
1: Coming right up on Pot Potsdamajama, we'll talk about the upcoming matchup in the Final Four between Houston and Baylor. Like Chris said, the old Southwestern Conference rivalry will be renewed.
2: Looking for a better way to rep H-Town? Be sure to check out ApolloHOU.com for Astros and Rockets apparel you can't find anywhere else. Use promo code LAUNCH for 10% off at checkout. Apollo HOU, all Houston, all original.
0: And we are back for the second half of slam Pajama presented by Apollo Houston. As we're gonna talk about the Baylor Bears and our predictions from Houston's next matchup.
1: And Justin, I could Chris you know, Baylor has kind of been one of those teams, or not one of those teams, one of two teams that they've been at the top of college basketball. They're really the only team that's kind of stood with Gonzaga for much of the season until they had that COVID pause. Chris, I'll toss it over to you first. They defeated Arkansas to get to into the Final Four. What did you see from that game, and what do you see about the Bears as a whole?
3: Versatility, they shoot the ball well. Very well. They their their first shot. To, unlike Houston, they make a higher percentage of their first shots than U of H does. Um, Jared Butler, Macy Oteague, Devan Mitchell. They're just, they have started their same uh, starting five the entire season, 28 games, same starting five, 26 and two. Baylor, you know, before COVID, they were right there, maybe a little bit under Gonzaga, one A, one B. After the COVID issue, they struggled, had their loss, and then took a few more games to really get back into a rhythm. But Baylor's offense is high-powered. Some struggles. I think they struggled more offensively in a tournament than they did in the regular season. It's going to be Baylor's offense against Houston's defense. I'm looking forward to the matchup and a prediction.
0: Justin Ake, what do you guys think about Baylor? Uh, they got size. They can score outside and the inside. And what I saw from the Arkansas game, you know, they were really fast, and uh, they can crash
1: the boards as well, you know, along with Houston. Yeah, you mentioned how how fast they are. I can't remember what player it was, but I remember this during a specific <clears throat> instance towards, like, the end of that game against Arkansas. There was a point where Arkansas got into the paint. They got Baylor's defense to collapse. They passed it to their big, and it looked like he was going to have a wide-open layup, and the Baylor defender turned around and, and then block that shot so fast. And it it just caught me off guard seeing how quick they were able to recover from that. And I I know Baylor isn't, you know, when it it comes to Houston, they're not as well when it comes to the rankings. But I think that athleticism is going to give Houston a lot of problems.
2: Yeah, I think the athleticism, but then mainly um, just to reiterate um, uh, what Chris was saying, I mean, you got Jared Butler, Davion Mitchell, Macy Oteague, and those guys can shoot the ball uh, just as well as anyone in the country. Each of those guys, you know, shooting 40% or above 40%. Davion Mitchell shooting 45%. All those guys are NBA prospects easily uh, making and uh, getting uh, in maybe as a first rounder or second rounder. So those three guys are going to be problems, but I think Houston because um, they have such great perimeter defenders in Quentin Grimes in um, in Marcus Sasser and then um uh the, yeah, and also in uh Dejan Giro, all three of those guys, I think they can clamp up uh, defensively, but it's not gonna be easy. Just like Chris said, it's gonna be a matchup, you know, defense defense versus offense, but it's gonna be a very good one for sure. And Akib, you're you're right on point. You know, David
3: Mitchell, when you said 45%, that's 45% from three. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. You yeah. know, so he he is an exceptional three-point shooter and I'm really kind of curious to see who De'Jane DeRose is going to going to defend will it be David Mitchell Terry Butler Miso Teague because you know De'Jane really takes the head of the snake and if he can cut off the head of the snake it'll really benefit U in a chance to win the game on Saturday
1: you know Chris uh, just looking at Baylor's number numbers from uh you know, st- st- statistical standpoint, um, it kind of looks like Baylor's much of a guard-oriented team. Uh, what role do you think Houston's bigs will play in this game?
3: That's kind of – that's a good question. Mark Vital, he's 6'5", but he's 250. So they're not, a, they're not tall in the starting lineup, but their energy guy, Jonathan Chachua, I hope I get that, got that right, coming off the bench, 6'8", 245. is a bundle of energy – Another athlete, um, wingspan is seven feet plus, rebounds. I think he gets six rebounds in uh, less than 19 minutes a game. So he really crashes the boards. So I'm kind of curious to see if that'll be a Justin Gorm uh, assignment for, for uh, Jonathan Tachua going against Gorm, and vice versa. Fabian White coming back from the ACL. He's not a great athlete. He's not an elite athlete. So we'll see how he handles Baylor's quickness. Price and Gresham. U.S.'s bigs are not athletic compared to Baylor. Reggie Cheney, you know, Andy, you and I joked about it. Reddy is not an elite athlete. He, he really makes me shake my head sometimes when he gets his shot blocked <laughs> around the rim and when he, when he doesn't finish well. So, kind of be kind of curious to see how they handle that.
1: Yeah. Uh, one more thing that I wanted to add, Chris how, how often do you think, or how much do you think Houston will go to the four guard lineup against Baylor?
3: Depends on how which Tremont Mark we get. Tremont Mark against Oregon State struggled. He had too many. He had mental lapses. You know his defense wasn't great. Offense was kind of shaky passes. He just wasn't. He'd have a good game. So if he returns to good Tremont Mark, that will allow Coach Sanford to trust him, and then a four guard lineup could be more uh, effective.
1: Akib, okay, Justin, do you guys have anything more to add before we do kind of a, a round table with our predictions in, in, a, in a minute?
2: I do see that we're probably going to have the game similarly play out like how it did against Oregon State. We're not going to see much Bryson Gresham. He only had played seven minutes um, just because of, you know, the lack of size, maybe, or just because of defensively, they probably want to switch a lot. Um because with you know, with Baylor, it's gonna be hard to play that zone where you collapse their bigs with two guys. So you're definitely gonna see more one on one matchups. You're gonna see a lot of switching with their with their guard play. Um, yeah, I mean that's what that's I think that's what's gonna happen defensively.
0: Yeah, and Occup said pretty much said what I was gonna say defensively. I mean, there's not really gonna be anybody really double team because Baylor's gonna have shooters, you know, waiting in the corners or top of the key when somebody's gonna get doubled. So you're really going to have to play one-on-one and switch. And uh, and if you're U of H on offense, you're going to have to hit some of those first shots. And, you know, if you miss, you really got to box out and get the rebound. Cause as uh, Chris said, I mean, this team's really athletic. I mean, they're going to have to be on top of their game.
2: And I think you're going to see um, a little bit of how they played Syracuse where they barely doubled the um, inside guy at all much, you know, throughout the game. So they kind of just, they're going to stick around the perimeter, I think. And I don't think they're, you know, Baylor's going to shoot it as poorly as Syracuse is, but uh, I think we're going to give them a little bit of trouble at least.
1: Real quickly, before we do a roundtable, Chris, uh, Baylor, what type of defense are they known for?
3: Uh, they mix it up. You know, they can get after you full court, press pressure defense. Man-to-man is really good because of, of their athleticism. So, you know, good teams play defense based on the opponent. And Baylor does that. Coach Scott Drew and Jerome Chang and and Alvin third. III um, have different defenses. Baylor's a good man-to-man defensive team. I think you're going to see more of that from both teams, man-to-man.
1: All right, let's do it, uh, Justin. You you can get to start first. Uh, what do you? What is your final score prediction for this final four matchup?
0: I'm going to go with, uh, in my biased opinion, I'm going to go with the uh, <laughs> U of H 67 and Baylor. 62, but with my realistic projection, I mean, uh, I think Baylor closes it out with at least like a 66, 61 win,
1: five points. That's interesting. I, I believe the spread is around five points, so that's interesting. Okay, what do you think?
2: Yeah, uh, Andy, that spread is five points, but mm-hmm. UH is the underdog, of course. Um, and I mean, it's 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 a correct, it's an accurate spread. You know, they're not, mm-hmm. you know, they're not trying to favor it too much heavily towards. Baylor but at the same time they are like the number two team in the country but yeah my prediction is UH just get out a, a win 63 60 um I don't, I mean with, with college basketball you don't know how these scores are going to come out it could be either on the low end or on the high end but um definitely I, I see I could see the Cougars winning it um and I, I'm I'm being realistic actually <laughs>
1: Yeah, I think uh, it depends how the game goes. If if it's more of like an ugly type of grinded out game, I think that favors U of H. Um, I think if Houston wins, the score has to be in the 50s or in the 60s. I think if Baylor can get into the 70s, the U start. You'll Baylor will have the advantage, so in order for Houston to win, I think it would probably have to be a close no-biter. That's one thing that they've shown really since the last game of the regular season that they find a way to somehow win those close games. Um, uh, I think this is a toss-up, but I'm gonna go. And this is me being, I hate doing this. Uh, I'm gonna try not to be biased. I'm gonna go Baylor pulls it out 68 to 62. Chris, it's your turn.
3: Okay, Andy, I'm glad you said that because I didn't want to be unanimous I'll um, <laughs> picking U of H. I'm picking U of H. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, wow. <laughs> the reason I'm picking U of H is I think Coach Sampson and staff, they just really seem to have a knack for the more time they have to get to prepare, they find a way, they find the weaknesses in the opponent and they maximize their own strengths. So I think U of H is going to win and I'm going to say Seventy-one, sixty-five. If it gets above seventy-five, Baylor's chances, you
1: know, when go up a, a lot. But I say seventy-one, sixty-five, Houston. That's gonna do it for our time with Chris Gardner. We'll have one more segment coming up, so don't go anywhere. But Chris, before you leave, plug your stuff. Where can people? Thanks find a you? lot,
3: guys. As always, for having me on on the show. Um, my website, HoustonRoundBallReview.com. Same thing, Houston Round on Instagram and YouTube. Twitter is the Some folks say the H R review.
1: Chris Gardner, the Houston Round Ball Review. Thank you for joining us and coming right up on Pod Slime Jamma. We'll talk about the other Final Four matchup, UCLA and Gonzaga. We'll talk a little bit about that prediction, about that matchup and our prediction of who will win that game. And we'll talk a potential final national championship preview coming up on Pod Slime Looking for a
0: better way to rep H-Town? Be sure to check out ApolloHOU.com for Astros and Rockets apparel you can't find anywhere else. Use promo code LAUNCH for 10% off at checkout. Apollo H-O-U, all Houston, all original.
2: And we are back for the final segment of the Pod PodSlamma Jamma podcast presented by Apollo Houston. Uh, and we're going to just jump right in talk about uh, the other Final Four matchup of um, Gonzaga versus UCLA. Um, Andy, Justin, what do y'all think's going to go down in that game? I mean,
1: <laughs> well, yeah. I, yeah, I, well, I think UCLA is going to dominate from the start and they're going to take it. No, I'm just joking. Um, yeah. There's not uh-huh. much to say. Uh, they're calling UCLA a Cinderella story. So it's certainly been an interesting point for them to to get to the final four an interesting journey to, to get to the final four uh, they're 22 and nine or they were had to play in the first four game on Thursday on that Thursday so there's not much to say they're playing Gonzaga the number one team in college basketball they have been that the entire season 30 and zero. they had their their COVID pause and they didn't have it you know, affect them where they had a couple of strings where they had to cancel games and they still didn't lose, which is, you know, we saw, we talked about that in the last segment where Baylor, where they kind of struggled when they came back out of their, their pause towards the end of the season. Uh, There's not much to say. Uh, Jalen Suggs, uh, we talked about Quentin Grimes has NBA draft potential. Jalen Suggs has number one overall pick potential. Uh, Sophomore forward, Drew Timmy, 19 points a game, 7.2 rebounds. Corey Kispert, 18.9 points and five rebounds. They're both ahead of Jalen Suggs. So that's that's just how deep that team is. Um, I don't know. We were talking about it off-air how I I think that UCLA-Houston and the championship game would be a good storyline just because of the cities and, you know, the history between the two with with the game of the century. But, yeah, there's not really much you can say. It'd be... uh, An upset would be an understatement if Gonzaga doesn't plow through UCLA. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be much of a
0: competition. I mean, uh, Gonzaga's offense is just a well oiled machine, and uh, it's really not much UCLA can really do to win this game. I mean, I pray for a miracle, but it's just not <laughs> happening. But um, but if, you know, in some way it did, like as Andy said, you know, the history and also uh, coach Nick, uh, Mick Cronin is on UCLA, used to be with Cincinnati. You know, those were always good matchups when the, the Cougars would play Cincinnati with a uh, coach mick cronin but yeah i got gonzaga at least one in by 2030 I, I don't think it's really gonna be much of a competition
1: 30 points you have <laughs> ucla losing by 30 in the final four damn yeah i think i think it'll be a little bit closer i could uh see the problem when, when, it, when we're looking at these four teams remaining and this is gonna sound i'm not trying to be a home or anything i think Houston probably has the best chance at beating Gonzaga just in terms because of, of the Cougars defensive background. That's their kind of bread and butter. And they have, you know, they've had the top three scoring defense and when it comes to, you know, the fewest points allowed to their opponents all season, Houston has. So I think that matches up well. You see, Baylor. I, don't know, when I in my predictions earlier in the in the previous segment. I said that Baylor would advance. So I I would if Gonzaga and Baylor meet in the national championship game. I would I would say Gonzaga probably ends up winning because you're you're not going to outscore Baylor in order to beat, or you're not going to outscore Gonzaga in order to beat uh, the Zags. I feel like you have to slow it down. You have to make it an ugly type of game. And I you know out of these teams, I think Houston's obviously the best one at doing that.
2: Yeah. I mean, I, I couldn't agree with you guys more. Um, like it's, it's going to be tough obviously. Um, but Gonzaga is probably just going to pull through at least, I mean, double digits at the minimum and then maybe 20 points for sure. But I think we're going to see UCLA and their, you know, and their Cinderella runner and their, you know, fairy tale because, uh, it's, I mean, it's a, what, it's what a tournament it's been for them. You know, they've, they were able to knock off some huge teams on, they, they took out, took down number two, Alabama. They took down uh, number six BYU earlier in the tournament. They're a first four out team and, you know, uh, and a force four in and then they, they actually, they won that game. So they made it all the way here just to, I think, get waxed by Gonzaga. But you got, I mean, even just getting through that last game was, you know, a pain for them. Um, even though Michigan only scored 49, Johnny Juzang was like amazing. Like he, he dropped 28 points, which is more than half their points actually. And, um, he scored just two out of their three, three pointers, the entire game. So they have no firepower in my opinion, um, to beat Gonzaga. So yeah, just like y'all said, <laughs> I don't think he's going to be close in my opinion.
1: Yeah. So I think all three of us agree that Gonzaga is going to advance the championship game. Uh, I kind of talked about it a little bit about it. But um, what would you guys how would you guys see a potential Houston Gonzaga matchup? Uh,
2: it's I mean, it's po- it's definitely possible because I in the last segment, I did mention how I have Houston beating uh, Baylor. Um, Andy, you, you might be a little bit on the hating side because you don't have <laughs> you don't have Houston <laughs> beating <laughs> Baylor, but I mean that's it's it's a realistic you know um, like I have I, I've made two or three brackets you know for March Madness and um, two out of three brackets I did pick Houston, but one of those brackets I picked Baylor to upset I mean to beat not upset but beat Houston, so it's like a realistic um, opinion that you have
1: yeah uh, I Baylor
2: think- winning. I think it's a toss up honestly. Um
1: I I I won't be surprised if Houston wins and honestly I'm hoping Houston wins for from for a sure. from a selfish standpoint just to sure. be able to experience the championship game but um, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised either or. Uh but when it comes to matchups and I think like when it comes to tournament that's that's th- biggest factor in my opinion it comes down to matchups and I think that's why Houston had the success against Syracuse and against Oregon State their primary defense is zones and Houston does really good against zones with Gonzaga I feel like you know UCLA or Baylor they're not you know known to be lockdown defensive teams and I just don't see them outscoring Gonzaga so that's why I feel yeah. like out of these remaining teams Houston's the best matchup to, to beat Gonzaga
2: for sure and baylor is going to be that team that's going to try to fight gonzaga with firepower and i don't think of course they have three definitely great nba prospects but so do gonzaga but gonzaga have gonzaga has prospects that are you know lottery picks you know type guys so um if they're going to match fire with fire i don't see them being able to overcome gonzaga but definitely houston makes it more difficult you know gonzaga is not Gonzaga is great, but we have great perimeter defenders on our team. And um, the way Baylor wins is they just try to cause you to get turnovers and Gonzaga doesn't turn over the ball much. So Houston definitely has an advantage in my opinion.
0: And I agree because Houston has a really physical defense, which I don't really think Gonzaga has really seen too much like physicality in terms of defense, which I think Houston can do really well against Gonzaga, but um, they have to slow down all their shooters. And uh, you, just like Baylor, you can't really double team them because you yeah, got to play man-on-man. Man. I mean, it, it, it would be tough. I mean, I think it could be one of those games that could go to the wire or, you know, U H at least loses by 10, but they have to be you know right on their A-games the way with Baylor. I mean, everything just has to
1: go right and fall in line. You know, it's funny you said they'll keep it close. Or they'll at least lose by 10. It's close against Gonzaga. Um, but yeah, I think Houston's at a point where in order for them to to win a national championship, they're going to need Sasser, Grimes, and Giroux to play well at the same time. Uh, that's something that Penny Hardaway's uh, Memphis head coach said after they lost to Houston in the American Athletic Conference Tournament. He called those three guards... A three-headed monster, and uh, since since the NCAA tournament started, they just haven't had th- those three players play well at the same time. Uh, we Chris and I have kind of talked about in the last segment, or it might have been the first segment, where you know they came close to it against Oregon State, but you know Quentin Grimes kind of got off to a shaky start, and then after Marcus Sasser got kind of <laughs> ruffled up off the screen for a little bit. He kind of struggled toward the end. Um, but I think in order for them to have a chance to beat Gonzaga and to advance and beat Baylor, uh, those three are going to have to be playing well at the same time. And an X factor, I said, I'm not sure if it was in this podcast or it might have been somewhere else, but I, Drummond Mark is going to play a big factor too in terms of he gives Houston that extra kind of, push you talked about Gonzaga they have I mean they're deep when it comes to just where their roster is from a standpoint the same with Baylor in order for Houston to be that Houston can match up with them they do have the firepower they have the players to be able to match up in terms of firepower but they're not always hitting and usually they're not always hitting on all cylinders at the same time and that's something that I feel like that's the difference from Baylor Gonzaga and Houston at this point
2: I think it's more so been um, Sasser out of anybody, you know, he, he had a hot start to the season and I think he was shooting like near 45% from three, the first half of the season. And then his numbers had just tanked from there on. And I don't know. I, I don't really know what it, what it was per se. I mean, he's a great shooter. We all know that, but it's just kind of weird how out of all those guys, like he's the one that kind of went cold. Um, Cause like last year, Quinton Grimes was not known to be this amazing shooter. He shot like thirty-two percent this year. He's shooting well above forty percent so from three. So it's like it kind of switched around a little bit. And um, I think it's mainly if Sasser can get hot, Grimes is gonna ha- hit the big shots. He's gonna you know play D. He's gonna I think do everything to put you in a position to win. But like ultimately, I think the X factor is like Sasser, especially when it comes to like playing Baylor. He needs to he needs to be hitting his uh, threes for sure.
0: And Andy, I was actually, yeah, I was going to mention what you said, uh, that Tremont Mark is the X factor. Um, I remember we talked about that in our uh, tournament preview, I think before the conference tournament. And, you know, if Tremont Mark can get at least like, you know, 15 around 18 points, that's a big boost for the Cougar offense, especially off the bench. And if you're going to get Sasser, Jerro, and all Grimes going at the same time, I mean, the Cougar is going to be hard to beat.
2: I think it's kind of a big ask though for Tremont Mark to, I mean, what is he a freshman right now? So it's yeah, like, perfect. it's, it's very tough to see him. He can give you 10 points at least. And he's had like great games, but it's also those games have come to like teams that aren't are very good or not the yeah. best in like the American conference. So right. like with Tremont, um, like he definitely can, he has the ability and that's why coach Sampson scouted him. For sure, because he said he's like one of those offensive players that he really liked and enjoyed, but he's just not a great shooter at this stage of his career. He's, you know, he he still has a lot to be developed, but we'll see. Hopefully, he can get going early to just help boost that bench. Because other than him and Fabian White, I don't see much like. Contrib- contribution from the bench
1: yeah and you you kind of hit it right there that's where that Houston needs them. um and really he he's kind of the only player that adds diversity to that Houston offense because he can do he can do a little bit of everything he's a slasher he can drive and he he's one of the few players that pulls up from the mid-range every now and then um, and that's why I think in for these final two games if well potentially those two games he's going to be one of their most important players. But yeah, when you mentioned Marcus Sasser and his inconsistency, like you you mentioned, he got off to such a hot start and then they had the COVID pause. And I, I believe when they came back from the COVID pause or a little bit before, he had suffered like an ankle injury too. So I'm not sure if that's something that has lingered on throughout the entire season or, or something, but yeah, certainly something's changed since the opening weeks of the season. So, I mean... Real quickly, I guess that we've pretty much uh, talked about everything when it comes to the NCAA match. One final thing I wanted to add, um, women's basketball news, uh, former U of H guard now, Maya Crump announced on Wednesday afternoon that she has entered the transfer portal and she played a big role for the Cougars in the 2020-21 season. She average 10.5 points a game for Houston and that was tied with Layla Blair for most on the team uh real quickly before we we kind of wrap things up what are you guys' thoughts on that news
0: that's a pretty good big uh blow for the team I mean you're losing uh 10.5 points a game and uh, really another um, another secondary score on the team I mean that can give you another boost and uh we know Crump you know came from Lamar, you know, season before, and now she's going to be transferring again. So, I mean, it's another loss for the Cougars, but they got, you know, a lot of players coming back next season. You got Black show Fair coming back. You got uh, Layla Blair coming to her sophomore year and really just a whole, pretty much almost a whole team, you know, except for um, who's the senior, Andy, that I was leaving this year.
1: Erica Sydney, uh, Erica, Erica Sydney, Sydney was yeah. the senior. Uh, I'm not sure if Julia Black Shelfair will come back. Uh, obviously, she has an extra year of eligibility because of the NCAA rule, but um, I believe it's she. I think she said she would come back, but um, when they did their senior day uh, festivities this season, they did. They let. They did something special for Julia. They actually let her. Uh, get on the court and like you mentioned she tore her ACL but in that senior day game they let her get on the court dress out and start the game so that kind of has me you know it, it looks like it might have been uh you know her final farewell I'm not sure uh, obviously she has that extra year of eligibility but that's something to keep an eye on and like you said it's going to be a big loss she was 1A 1B with Layla Blair and comes in terms of meeting and scoring um it'll be interesting to see how kind of u of h does to fill that void but uh, i just
2: hope uh no. yeah i just hope u of h can at least bring somebody in you know through the transfer portal portal just because you know they're almost they're like that close to making the ncaa tournament for the yeah. women so i mean what they were number one on first four out so like yeah. literally if a team had uh guy in COVID or something, they would have jumped right in and maybe just one more win or maybe two more wins would have really yeah. gotten them in into the tournament. So like losing a um, a key piece like that kind of, it does kind of suck. So, but I mean, I think we, as a team, they're doing a lot better and hopefully they can make some noise again next season.
1: Yeah, it sucks. Yeah, it's a that, loss. That, well, the, I was just going to say that loss to Cincinnati in the final game of the regular season kind of cost them. And yeah. it, it, it kind of, yeah, I hate to play hypotheticals, but they didn't have Diamond Glady for that game either after she suffered a, a plantar fasciitis injury when they beat South Florida USF, which was like the number one team in the American Athletic Conference. So, big blow. Uh, but really, that's going to do it for today's episode of Pod Slime Jamma. Real quickly to recap, Akib and Justin have Houston and Gonzaga and Chris too. They have Houston and Gonzaga playing in the national champ for the national championship. I have Baylor and Gonzaga, but boo, boo. <laughs> come on, keep booing. On. I, like, I like being a heel. No. Um, <laughs> yeah. But when it comes to Baylor and Houston, I, I, it's a toss up. Like I, I'm picking Baylor sure. just in terms of what I've seen the whole season. Like they've been for the most part up there with, with Gonzaga until they had that COVID pause. So, I have to give them the benefit. But like I said, I wouldn't be surprised. I expect it to be a close game. And if it turns out to be one of those ugly type of physical games from slow scoring and a lot of rebounds, obviously that's going to go in Houston's favor. If it turns into a fast-paced, high-scoring game, I'm not sure if Houston can keep up. And that'll favor Baylor. Now Houston has some weapons to keep up, but like I said, they're, they've been inconsistent at times, and that's something that's – they kind of have to prove it before you get. I give them the benefit of the doubt. But um, we're going to leave it there. So that's going to do it for today's episode. If you haven't done so already, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts.
2: And if you appreciate the consistent digital and podcast breakdowns, analysis, speculation, guest voices, and camaraderie of our team, please consider clicking the link in the description to check out one of our monthly Patreon subscription options.
0: And as always, thank you for so much for listening, and we look forward to having you back for our next episode of Pod Slam Majama, covering your University of Houston Cougars. Let's beat Baylor, guys.